Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. actually going to uh, move on into our lesson, but I'm going to ask you this question. I want to ask you a few different questions this morning. Have you ever had one of those weeks? Have you ever had one of those days where you're not sure what's going on, but things just don't feel right? They feel out of line. Everybody, you just notice that maybe you're getting upset about all over these little, little things Or maybe it's somebody else in your house that's getting upset about all the littlest things, and you're just trying to figure it out, but everybody, everything feels edgy. It feels like you're constantly being picked at or prodded, and you're just not sure what's going on. Anybody in the room, anybody at home, is this you? Have you ever had a week like that, a day like that? I know now everybody's like, I think I have to raise my hand. He just called us all out, so let's just raise. But no, we've all done it. We've all been in these moments, but here is why. Here is why we feel this way. Because if you haven't noticed yet, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And it has nothing to do with the season that we're living in. We are always in a battle. And this morning, we're actually going to talk about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare and being in a spiritual battle. Some of you in the room or at home, you might be thinking, well, Chad, I don't know about this whole spiritual warfare thing. I understand I have some tough days, but I just think, you know, I'm moody sometimes. I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough coffee. I didn't get enough chocolate. I didn't get enough food. I didn't get something. But Ephesians 6 tells us this, starting at verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. If this doesn't warn you and let you know that we're in a spiritual battle, there's nothing else that will. This is Paul telling the church in Ephesians that you are in a spiritual battle. So whether you believe it or not, we are in one. And some people, I know, some people think that we're not, and some people believe it's because of certain verses they say, well, no, we're no longer in spiritual battles, it's no longer happening. And and one of those verses that people will use is Colossians 2.15, and it says, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Yes, Jesus conquered the enemy, defeated him, So he's forgiven our sins, which means we can also conquer sin. But it doesn't mean that the devil isn't fighting against us. It doesn't mean that he's not trying. Because if he wasn't trying, if we're truly honest, um, if he wasn't trying, we wouldn't sin. But we sin because he tempts us. And when we give in to that temptation, we sin. So some of us don't believe it. Some people also, sometimes it's just a philosophy issue that sometimes we just believe, well, this doesn't really happen in our our culture. It happens other places. 
But Paul warns us again in Colossians just earlier. He says in verse 8 of Colossians 2, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We have to realize that we are in a spiritual battle, and that we are there, a lot of us will believe that spiritual warfare, spiritual happening, spiritual acts, demonic stuff happens in other countries, but it just doesn't happen in North America. But the thing is, in North America, the devil is just a lot more covert in what he does. He's a lot more behind the scenes. In other countries, he is. He's a little more open, stuff like that. But in North America, spiritual warfare still happens. Spiritual attacks happen, but the devil is just a little bit more convert about it. And here is what the devil comes and tries to do. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So here is the thing, and, and I agree with so many people in the room. I, in, in the room, we had so many amens. But we have amens to that Jesus came that we have life and have it abundantly, which is true. But we have to be aware that we have to prepare ourselves for the first part of the verse. We have to realize to, to agree with I came that you may have life and have it too abundantly, which we all agree, it's our hope, it's our promise, but we have to recognize that he came for that because the enemy intends to kill you. He intends to kill your marriage, take your children, kill your children, lead them away from God. And he knows our weaknesses. He looks for them. And when he finds them, whether it's, you could be weak in lust, greed, depression, and he goes after them. If you are emotionally sensitive, he will go after it. If you lust or you have greed or you're, you're prideful, he will, weak, he will go after your weaknesses. So the question that we have to ask that is, if there is a spiritual battle happening, how do we fight? How do we fight? Because here's the thing. It's one thing to know that you're in a battle, but the other thing you want to know is, how do I fight this battle? How do I win? How do I conquer the enemy? 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but, have div- but not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we have weapons to destroy strongholds. But our weapons are spiritual weapons. They're not the weapons of this world. So when we talk about fighting spiritually, we're not talking about putting up your fist. We're not talking about getting weapons. We're talking about spiritual battles. So how, here's some quick, simple ways to fight spiritually. And we know them in Scripture. Do good to your enemies. That is spiritual warfare. Because our natural flesh response is to do evil to those who do evil to us. To fight back. And if you don't believe that, just think what's the first thing that goes through your head when somebody cuts you off. Or if your spouse comes to you and tells you you've done something wrong, is your first response, oh, you're absolutely silences our enemies. It silences them. This is warfare because it stops a battle. By no means do I think Melissa is my enemy when I talk about this illustration real fast. But this week, I messed up. I know it's hard to believe, 
But I was in a meeting in London, and I was supposed to be back at a certain time to take one of my children to an appointment. And Melissa texted me and said, hey, are you going to be back in time? To which I responded, I think so. Which was me going, I'm supposed to be back in time? And so I quickly started driving, and she texted me a little bit later, are you going to make it? And I'm like, I don't know. I will text you to let you know if I can't make it. And she's like, you have to be here in 10 minutes. To which my response was, I'm not going to make it. And so she texts me to correct me and tell me how I made this mistake, which is right. And I knew immediately, I'm going to get a couple text messages telling me that I messed up. Because here's the other part of this. Because I messed up, she was in a meeting that she needed to leave to then take our daughter to an appointment because I messed up. And so she texted me, and I realized immediately I wanted to defend myself. And all I started texting back was, you're right, I'm sorry. You're right, I'm sorry. And you know what? When I got back and we saw each other and stuff, we were good. There was no issues. If I would have responded in a different way, which I normally do, it wouldn't have been good. When we respond with kindness, it will distinguish things immediately. The other way we do fight spiritually is repentance. He cannot gain a foothold in our lives when we repent. When we repent, it releases footholds in your life. Realize that in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4, at the very end it says, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That does mean that he can get legal rights to strongholds in our lives because of our actions. Repentance breaks those. Fasting is a spiritual warfare that we talked about before as it draws us closer to God and helps us get into a line and, and it quiets our flesh. So there's many different ways that we can do spiritual warfare, but there are some things that are core and primary which we need in every situation. And so this morning, we're actually just going to talk about three, practical, uh, three practices in spiritual warfare. And we're going to fly through some of this. And so I hope you're taking notes because you're going to have to go back and look at it because we've got a lot to get through. And so if you don't normally take notes, I would pull out a pen and start writing some stuff down. Or pull out a phone and start taking notes. Do not turn off your notifications so you don't get alerts and get distracted. So the first practice is this. We need to put on the armor of God. We need the armor of God for protection. We can't get into a fight without the right gear. You don't want to go play hockey without skates on, and you don't want to wear skates when you're playing baseball. You need to have the right gear on. And when you need to think about this as well, you need to make sure that you personally are spiritually ready. How many people remember flying? How many people remember when you were, like, not that we're not allowed, but how many people would fly regularly, and you remember getting on a plane, sitting down, and they'd give you all of the safety instructions, but do you remember what they would tell you as they were giving you the instructions? Whose mask do you put on first? Your own. Because I am no good to my family if I pass out because I don't have my mask on. So I need to put my mask on, and then I help others. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we need to make sure that we are looking after ourselves and then we help others. We can't help someone else if we are not putting on the armor of God on a regular basis. So Ephesians 6, verse 14, it says this, Therefore, stand therefore, 
having fastened on the belt of truth and having to put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the word and the sword of the spirit. So the first thing we're going to look at real fast is the belt of truth. The more you know the truth of God, the more that you can be free from the lies of the enemy. The more you know who you are, the more you know who God is and his ways, how God acts, how he interacts with you, how, what he believes in you, the more you will know how your en- who your enemy is and how he works. The better that you can know God and know how your enemy is, the more alert you can be to what is going on. Reading God's word daily will change the way you know who God is, will change the way you understand who he is. You cannot get by in your spiritual journey by listening to me on Sunday mornings alone. You can't get by in your spiritual journey by listening to different speakers and preachers every day of the week. It doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to, you need to read the word of God. You need to get this into you because here's the thing that if you don't know what's in here, you don't know if any of us are teaching you incorrectly. And you don't know if the podcast you're listening to is teaching you correctly. You need to know the word of God and then you need to have godly counsel around you to help you even understand what the word of God is saying correctly. It comes in a balance where you read it and you discuss it with each other. But if you don't understand the word of God, then you don't know what good theology is or what bad theology is. The second thing is the breastplate of righteousness. And when he's talking about the breastplate of righteousness here, he's not talking about the righteousness we receive at salvation. He's talking about a different type of righteousness. He's talking about the one where um, people, where it touches our lives, it's more of a practical righteousness, if I say it that way, where we grow in our character, where he's strengthening us, a holiness, as we grow in our sanctification. It builds up perseverance so we don't quit. As we were just praying before we started into the message at the end of the song, is we believe that, Lord, when we pray, when we call, you come to our rescue. But many of us in this room will know that he didn't come to our rescue sometimes the way we wanted him to, the way we thought he would, or in his timing. This is where he gives us righteousness to persevere and to grow as we walk through these times with him. Thirdly, we put on the shoes of peace. And again, this is not peace with God, okay? But this is the peace of God. And we've talked about this before. We're in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're not supposed to be anxious and we're supposed to have the peace of God and it will guard your heart and your mind as you walk through challenges and struggles. Now you need to understand, as Paul is writing this, Paul is in prison. This is where he's writing this from when he says, don't be anxious about anything. Know the peace of God 
and it'll surpass all of your understanding. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your minds. And think about who Paul is. There's another time when we read where Paul was in prison, and what was he doing? He was singing. Now, I don't know about you, we have journeyed through a season and time in the last many months that have been hard on many of us. And many people, whether you're at home or in the room, have had a hard time worshiping God through it. But we can all stand together and say we were not in prison. And there's nothing hindering us from worshiping God. I just want to say it again. I just want you to know, this here has never stopped me in my relationship with the Lord. I actually had a revelation yesterday about this, or this week, and here's what I realized. This has zero power over any of us. But the moment we say we can't do something because of this, it then has power. The moment you believe you can't do something because of this is when you give this power. It doesn't have power over us. We can do anything we'd like to do right now. We can go out. We can go see people. Yes, there's limits and wear a mask, but it doesn't stop me from worshiping God. It actually doesn't stop me from going to a restaurant. It doesn't stop me from seeing family. I can't see all of them at the same time, but sometimes that works out for better. Family, if you're listening, it wasn't you, it was the other one. <laughs> but understand, we give things power. Paul is writing this to know the peace of God he's writing from prison. Faith, we pick up the shield of faith. By walking by faith, this is walking in God's faith when we pick up the uh, shield of faith. It's the calling that we walk in. It's the promises that we walk in. Just as we were talking, again, walking with God by faith when he hasn't come to our rescue yet. This is the shield of faith that we pick up. So when the enemy is, you're praying, God, I need your help, God, I need your wisdom, and the enemy is shooting his fiery darts at you, saying, where is your God? Why hasn't he answered you? That you can stand by faith knowing that he's building your character, he's building your perseverance, he's actually working, but we might not be able to see him, and the shield of faith, by knowing the word of God, distinguishes the arrows of the enemy. And number five, the helmet of salvation. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, it says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of, the, sorry, a helmet, the hope of salvation. The helmet of salvation is our hope. Our hope in Jesus our hope in his second coming, our hope in believing that he's going to come back for us and rescue us. If you have lost hope, it's hard to get out of bed. But if you even have a little bit of hope, you get up. And so sometimes we need to pray, Lord, give us the hope, the joy of our salvation, knowing that you are coming back for us. So how do we get the truth? How do we get righteousness, the peace, the faith, the hope in God? How do we do this? Well, it's the same old answer. 
This is not a new answer, but I would love for you to write it down, believing it's a new answer, or a reminder to what the answer is to winning spiritual battles. It's a spiritual discipline of spending time with the Lord and reading his word. The spiritual disciplines of prayer, meditation, and being in the word of God on a regular basis. Here is the thing that upsets me the most. There is no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Do you know how much our society makes money off of shortcuts? This is why every time you scroll online, you'll see the latest fab in weight loss. And really, when you start reading it, everything comes down to, when you read the fine print, exercise, balanced diet. That's why it's such a fine print. Everything comes back to the principles of discipline. There is no shortcut. And again, I will say it again to you, preaching will not be enough for you. You need to connect to Jesus on your own, on your daily time. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. May it be abound in hope, filled with joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be in his presence. You need to be connected to the vine on a daily basis. His presence is life-giving. His presence is where we grow. His presence is where it's sweet. And we need to give him time. And just to be very clear, that's more time than driving to work. We need to be sitting with the Lord and spending time with him and reading our word. So going back to the three core principles, the second one is we need to take up the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. A sword... I don't know if you've ever watched on, uh, I think it's the History Channel, but they do like sword-making shows, and they are very cool. Maybe not for a lot of people, but man, when they cut through things, it's cool. But a sword can be used for offense and defense. So you use the sword to defend yourself and to attack the enemy. This is what the sword does got a lot of numbers flying this morning, so just bear with me, but there are three ways to use the Word of God. One of the, the first way is relative, relatory, a rhema, fresh words, words from the Spirit. So this is the Word of God where the Spirit is speaking to you. We're not talking, it's going to be based on Scripture, it's going to be the test of the Scripture, and maybe He's going to talk to you through the Scripture, but it's when the Lord speaks to you directly. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 8, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, and then it continues through more gifts. But we just want to touch on the relatory messages here where it says words of wisdom, message of wisdom, message of knowledge, and to another prophecy where he speaks to us and he gives us the wisdom we need and the knowledge that we can fight the enemy. Because here's what's happening. 
The enemy is attacking behind the scenes. And we can't see it because we look with flesh eyes, not spiritual eyes. And so when we spend time with the Lord and we ask him, Father, show me what's going on. If you have a relationship that's just not working, something seems off, pray and ask Holy Spirit, what is going on in this situation? And he may speak to you about you, and he may give you a revelation about the person that you are able to pray into and walk through in such a great way. The interesting thing is how he speaks and how the enemy works behind the scenes. I want to tell you a quick story of a friend of mine. And he told a story of how the Holy Spirit spoke to give direction to one of his kids. They were, um, his grandchild was having nightmares. And every time they went in the room, they'd come out. And they were about two or three years old. And they'd come out and be like, there's monsters in my room. Monsters. And so they began to pray, and they just sought wisdom, and like, what are we doing? Like, you need to pray and ask the Lord to, to what's going on. And so they began to pray through their, room, their house to see, like, Lord, what's going on? Why are there nightmares? Why is she seeing monsters? And as they were walking through their home, and here's what they have to understand. They are praying through their home because there wasn't something where somebody could just go, uh, that's actually a demonic idol. You shouldn't have that in your house. Oh, I didn't know that. There wasn't this. It was like good spiritual home. And they started walking through the home, and all of a sudden their attention came to a picture that was on their wall. And this little girl, when she was first born, uh, there was a lot of health issues. And so there's a photo of her in, like, the NIC unit with hooked up to all these wires and cables and stuff like that. And they have this picture up to celebrate what God has done and how he's brought her into health. And as they were praying, they came to this picture. They stopped, and they were drawn to this picture, and they asked the Lord, Lord, what is it about this picture? We have it here to celebrate you. He said, the enemy is mocking and laughing at what he did. And they're like, are you kidding us? No. So they took the picture down, and they put it away. The little girl went back into her room and came out and said, no monsters, no more nightmares, no more monsters. So here is something they were celebrating what God was doing and what he did. And the revelation was the enemy is mocking and saying, look what I did. So we have to ask Holy Spirit sometimes, Holy Spirit, what's going on? What is the enemy doing behind the scenes? And it will help us to walk closer with him. The second thing with the word of God, the way we use the word of God is scripture, logos, the word of God. So what we have to realize is the same person that gives us revelation is the same person who wrote the, the word of God because we understand the people that put this together that wrote it did so by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, they're both the same. They both go together. And I can't imagine using this word without having the Holy Spirit with me. And here's the thing. Understand, I am teaching and telling you the importance of reading this. But you also need to spend time to hear the Holy Spirit because the early church didn't have this. This is highly important, but listening to the Holy Spirit is also important. They go together. You can't have one and without the other. And here's the thing. Just so you're aware, you can use this to fight the enemy even if you don't have it all memorized. You can use it to fight the enemy without having it all memorized. But I encourage you, to memorize it. Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
You need to spend time reading this and not just reading it. I want to challenge you today to start memorizing some scripture. Memorize it. There's, um, I can actually, I'll post it online later and I can have it sent out in the email. There's an app that I'm using to help me memorize scripture because I've confessed before, it's hard for me to memorize scripture, but I can remember movie quotes and statistics from sports that are just pointless. But I'm realizing it's just because I spent time with it. And so now I'm spending more time deliberately, intentionally trying to memorize scripture. And so I'll share that with you later today. The third way that we use the word of God is an authoritative way. Authoritative way. We use the words through the spirit. We use them to rebuke Satan. We can use them to rebuke Satan. We can use them to basically tell him to get lost. As Jesus was tempted in the desert, he used his scripture, he used revelation, then he rebuked the enemy. And many times we saw where Peter spoke up and told Jesus, oh, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus didn't rebuke Peter. He actually rebuked Satan. And so he recognized what was happening. Here is something that if you want to write something down, here is something that you can say and pray and declare over your own home and over your own family. You can say something like this. Satan, I rebuke you. You will not have my marriage, my kids, my friend, my leader, whatever the scenario, I stand against you and I bind you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. You will not have my marriage, my kids, my friend, my leader. I stand against you and I bind you in the name of Jesus. Another simple one is simple as this. In the name of Jesus, I come against you. I come against your strategies, your plans, and your assignments, and I cancel them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I come against your strategies, your plans, and your assignments, and I cancel them in the name of Jesus. We can say these things because we've been given authority to do so. Not only like from Jesus, but Paul gives us the authority. He says, you have authority. Take authority. You have the sword of the Spirit. Now, some of us in North America, we feel uncomfortable with this because we're not sure if we actually believe it. We're not sure if we can take authority because we're not even sure if spiritual warfare happens, even though Scripture says it. So we hesitate and wonder why God just doesn't do it. Chad, why do I need to rebuke the enemy? Can't I just pray and rebuke the enemy? If I just pray, God will do it. Well, that is the same as us saying, God, can you go share the gospel? I'll pray for my neighbor, but you witness to him and lead him to salvation. Or God, can't I just pray that this person is encouraged and you can just build them up on the inside? I don't need to go and actually encourage them because I feel weird to tell people that I think they're great and I think they can do great things. I don't say stuff like that. Can't I just pray and you do it? But God likes to work through all of us. He likes to work through us. He likes to share his word, his gospel through all of us. He likes to see people come into relationship with him through us. It's the same way that he's given us this authority to step in and take authority over the enemy in spiritual warfare. So first, we put on the armor of God. Second, we take up the, th the sword of the spirit. And then the third thing we do is we pray at all times. Prayer is the most life giving activity that you can ever imagine to participate in. 
when you experience it as a life-giving opportunity, as a life-changing experience and time with the Lord, it changes from something you endure to something you crave. Many of us growing up as kids, uh, you probably didn't like vegetables, but you began to understand how they feed you and give you energy, and now some of us have actually matured to a point where we actually enjoy them and not just endure them. This is the same. As we spend time in prayer with the Lord, it will give you energy, and you will crave to spend more time with him. Prayer is life-giving, and it's life-altering. When we spend time with him, we can learn what he needs us to do and speaks to us. Because here's the thing. You cannot win on the ground what you have not done in the heavenly. You cannot win in the ground, on the ground what you haven't done in the heavenly. If you haven't spent time in prayer over a situation, you cannot step into it. Powerful forces are unleashed in several ways when we pray. Um, some of them it can be by us using a spirit-empowered word of rebuke. They can be, again, by us carrying out a spirit-directed action that the Lord is asking us to do. Through prayer, angelical help can be dispatched to us. And sometimes through prayer, God might decide to step in spiritually and, and manipulate a circumstance and change it for us. It could be a combination of all four. But God will intervene and step in and pray. As we pray, he'll give us wisdom. He'll even just sometimes, the spirit-directed action is sometimes for us to be quiet and continue to let him work and pray. But no matter how, we, no matter how prayer, no matter what, sorry, prayer is the cause behind all of these things in a spiritual warfare. It doesn't matter. It's prayer that it comes down to. The sword of the Spirit and prayer are accomplishing things together. We have to think about it. When we think about prayer and we pray for God to do things, and we talked about it already, how sometimes, you know, Lord, come to my rescue. We're praying for him to do it, and sometimes he's not responding immediately. He's allowing us to grow. If we look at Luke 22, verse 31 and 32, it says this. Simon, 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 Satan has asked to shift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail and that you, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Here Jesus tells Peter, hey, by the way, Satan has asked to sift you. But don't worry, I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith will not fail you. So right here, Jesus didn't say, the enemy asked to sift you, and I said no. He said, I prayed for you. And it's interesting enough that he didn't stop Satan, but he actually tells Peter what's about to happen. He says, I prayed for your faith that we not fail. And here's what we have to understand. Peter denied Jesus three times. But then Jesus reinstalled him by asking him three times, if you still love me, so as much as Peter denied Jesus, he still believed in him and his faith did not fail. And when he came back, what did he do? He was the one that got to share the first gospel message on Pentecost Sunday. And he strengthened his brothers. When you're praying in spiritual warfare, you may not always be able to rebuke the devil or pray him away. But you can pray against his goals, which are to take people out and to stop the kingdom of God from advancing. 
So you might not be able to stop him, but you can pray against what he is trying to achieve. These are the core practices. We need to put on the armor of God. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word from God. We see it in the natural and also in the supernatural. And we need to pray. And out of all of these things, the Spirit will give you direction in spiritual warfare. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for how you've laid it out for us and how we're supposed to fight spiritually. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and online and watching at home that, Father, today we'll begin to understand the importance of of putting on the armor of God, of spending time with you, reading your word and listening for you to speak to us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to guide us and to lead us. Show every one of us in this room and online right now where the enemy might have a stronghold, where he might be just poking his head in. And Lord, help us to repent of those areas in our lives so we can break off the strongholds that he has in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we want to follow you. So Lord, let this not be a message that we hear and just walk away from, but one we begin to apply and walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. Now before I let you go, in-house and online, I actually want to do something a little bit different. As your pastor, not only am I uh, realizing that some people still find it challenging to come out and get in plugged in, but even as we encourage people to take notes, whether at home or online um, or at in-house here as well, I begin to see how many people are still just listening. And what we want to do is actually equip you. This is why I encourage you to take notes, not so I can see that, oh, they're writing this down, maybe that's a good point. It's we want to equip you. So here's the first thing that I want to do. I'm going to assign you homework. All the students were like, What? All the parents are like, I grew out of this. But here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to memorize 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 4. And here's what it says, just so you, as you're writing them down. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I want you to memorize this. And here's what I want you to do on your way home today, or if you're at home, I want you to talk about this right here. I want you to share one thing that you need the others to join with you in prayer. As we talk about spiritual warfare, numbers help. And so what can they pray with you for? And then I want you to discuss a couple questions. I want you to discuss what is actually hindering you from spending time with God each day. Or what is hindering you from spending more time with God each day? What steps can you start today to have a regular time with God? Praying, reading, journaling, and memorizing Scripture. And then I want to encourage you to take a moment together and pray. And then also this week, whether it's family that you're here, or if you're watching online with other people, or maybe you just talk to people over lunch, reconnect with each other this week and find out how each other's doing. This will not only hold us accountable, it will help encourage us and challenge us as we continue to grow in our walk with the Lord. Amen? Cool? All right. We will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in online, and thank you for joining us in-house. And we will see you next week. God bless you. And hopefully, please sign up, and let's pray together tomorrow night for our schools. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.